Welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Hoops Podcast. I am your host, Blake Lovell, and it is Wednesday, June the 21st, 2017. And today is a special mailbag edition of the podcast. I put out on Twitter yesterday that I was accepting your questions for this episode. And actually, thanks to the high response, just a ton of questions sent in by you guys, we're going to split this into two episodes. So this will be part one of the mailbag answering uh, about four people's questions and then we'll split the other half into Thursday's episode. So be sure to stay tuned to that as well. Want to be able to dive into each of these questions and not make this a a 45 minute episode. That way you don't have to slog through the entire thing in one sitting. Uh, We'll break it up here Uh, again. It's only June. So we have time to cover all things SEC basketball here throughout the summer and into next season. So be sure to stay tuned to all that. But let's go ahead and dive into today's mailbag. All right, and we start with Alex Maston. He's on Twitter, at Maston Alex, and his question is about uh, a team that's gotten a lot of recognition here over the past couple weeks, and we've talked about a couple of their guys already here on the podcast, and that's the Auburn Tigers. Alex asks, how does Auburn distribute minutes at the three and the four spots between Purifoy, Murray, Dunbar, Okiki, and Spencer? And that's a great question, Alex, because... The one theme you see with this Auburn team, and we talked about it a little bit last year, is that they had depth. But this year, they have depth that's kind of proven themselves. Um, when you think about these guys at that those two positions, you know Bruce Pearl's already said that that Purifoy is going to be the three. He's going to be the small forward. That's their goal, so he doesn't have to play inside as much. So I think you're going to see him pretty much take over that three spot. And if he can do that then he's going to have a chance to have a monster year because I think he has everything you need to make it in the NBA. Just has to expand his game a bit. And he just, again, he kind of played out of position last year in terms of not being in his natural position. But um, I do think Purefoy obviously, is going to be the, the driving force of that group. And then, you know, Chumo Kiki has really surprised. I don't know, and I know if surprise is the right word. He's just impressed, uh, I think, a lot of people that maybe weren't sure how good he could be. You know, you talk about this U19 camp. Uh, He's one of the finalists there for that team. Um, You know, there's just a lot of different things that he does well. And I think his athleticism, his ability to get into the paint, it's going to be hard to keep him off the floor. I just think he's a really good player. And, you know, he's going to fit right in with the style of play that they're going to play there at Auburn. Uh, So keep an eye on Okike. And then, you know, the two guys, and I've talked to Bruce Pearl about this on our Marching to Madness podcast uh, as I've continued to say, if you're someone who only follows my SEC work, I host a national college basketball podcast. We had Bruce Pearl on last week, and you can find that episode over at southeasthoops.com. You can just search for Bruce Pearl, and you'll find it on there. He talked about Murray and Dunbar as two guys that he thought were going to bring an extra layer of toughness to this Auburn group, and that's good because that's what they're going to need. And, and he really likes the intangibles that both those guys kind of bring in. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how they fit into the mix as well. Uh, and you talk about Spencer, you know, a guy who was out last season due to injury, missed as many games as he did. Um, so getting him back on the floor is going to be important as well because he acts, he adds another element. So there's a lot to go around. There's a lot of depth with this Auburn team, a lot of potential options for Bruce Pearl. Um, but boy, I, I'm really excited about that entire group because I just think that 
it's going to be fun to see how it all plays out in terms of those guys on the floor. And we already know how impressive that Auburn backcourt can be. Um, and then, you know, you look inside, we've talked about Austin Wiley, especially we talked about him in depth yesterday on episode two of the Southeast Hoops podcast. So be sure to check that out if you haven't already. Uh, just going to be a monster season, I think, for Wiley. And then having these guys around him at those positions, uh, the Tigers have a chance to make it to the NCAA tournament. And we'll talk more about that as we go throughout the summer. And moving on to the next question comes from at VU Commodore on Twitter. Very good dude. Uh, always appreciate his interaction there. Uh, he asks about uh, the first question. has a couple questions here. And the first question is, who is your dark horse for the SCC? It's a great question. And, you know, as I've said throughout the summer and, you know, just in a lot of different settings, I think once you look beyond probably the top four and even those spots, I think from three, four, maybe even two, um, there's a lot of ways you could go. I just think there are a lot of good options in this conference this year. I've talked about the depth from top to bottom, and it's no joke. There is going to be as much depth from top to bottom as we've seen in a while in this conference. And so that makes, you know, picking a dark horse, pretty much you could just kind of flip a coin in a lot of different situations because there are a lot of teams that you could make a case for for that top seven. Um, You know, I think, and it's just, it's incredible to know that there are that many teams out there that have sort of the makeup that feels like they could get to the NCAA tournament. But if we're going to go with a dark horse, I'll pick a team outside of what I think will be projected outside of the top seven. Um, you know, and I think this team is probably more of a dark horse than, than others you could consider just because people might be overlooking this team a little bit based on losing a very key player this offseason to transfer, and that's Mississippi State. Um, you know, I think Mississippi State has a lot of interesting pieces. Quindary Weatherspoon's back. Uh, we talked about Mario Kegler. Just that, that's what we're talking about. We talked about the transfer. Losing Mario Kegler is not ideal. But when you think about what returns, um, I think Mississippi State has a very intriguing roster. They have a lot of athleticism, and with Weatherspoon leading the way, I think they've got a chance. You know, Lamar Peters also back. He was their second leading scorer. He scored 11 a game last year. And both of those guys shot 37% from three. And those are, you know, that's hard to defend. And they were two guys that were very tough to defend. Um, What I want to see the most from this Mississippi State team is I want to see someone kind of take that reign as the on-court leader. You know, I.J. Reddy's gone now. Um, He was a guy who meant a lot to that program. Uh, And then I want to see the bigs take a big step forward. You know, I want to see guys like Eric Holman, uh, Schneider, Harrard. I want to see those guys inside be able to take that step forward. If they can do that, I think Mississippi State's going to have a chance to surprise some people. And whether that, you know, turns into an NCAA tournament appearance, who knows. But I do think Mississippi State is a team to keep an eye on because when you look back at last year, even as young as they were, and they were, you know, the youngest team in the country, one of the youngest teams in the country, um, you know, in terms of experience. If you look back at that late stretch last season where they just kind of hit a wall after they lost that Kentucky game, which was close the entire way. They played Kentucky, you know, as well as anybody maybe had it to that point, um, you know, in that situation. But when you look back at that stretch where, you know, they lost a lot of games to end the regular season, 
They lost a lot of them close, though. If you start with that Auburn game in February, about February 7th, uh, they lost to Auburn by six. They went on next, lost to South Carolina by four, at Georgia by seven, at home against Florida at five, uh, at home against Ole Miss by five. They got blown out at Vanderbilt, then came back and lost to South Carolina by six. So all those games in there could have went a different direction if this team maybe had that extra bit of experience in late game situations and close, you know, close situations like that. But they didn't, and that's where experience comes into play. And I think if Mississippi State can find a way to win a couple of those games this year, I mean, think about even if they win four of those games, that significantly changes the outlook of their season last year. So they have to be able to win those close games, and if they can do that, then I think this team's going to have an opportunity to, to be the dark horse in the SEC, a team that's picked outside of that top half who is really going to give itself a chance to win. Uh, because they, they just have a lot of good pieces, especially in that backcourt. If the front court can continue to develop, Mississippi State's a team that I would watch out for in terms of a dark horse. And there are other teams, you know, again, you can label different teams. You don't know exactly who's going to be labeled a dark horse, who wouldn't be. Uh, but but if I had to go with a team that I think is probably going to be picked lower, that has a really good chance of maybe sneaking into that NCAA tournament discussion, being in that top half, I would go with Mississippi State. And that leads to the next question from VU Commodore, and that is talking about, um, you know, who are my top six in the SEC? Well, as I've said, you know, in that initial column I did, if you haven't read my early observations column, be sure to do that on southeastoops.com. A very, you know, 3,000-word digest of some initial thoughts on the league this upcoming season. Um, I think in terms of the top, you know, we're going to have to put Kentucky, we're going to have to put Florida, Alabama, and Texas A&M. Those four teams, to me, seem like a pretty good four if you're going to start from the top. Beyond that, there's a lot of ways you could go. And it goes back to, you know, talking about the dark horse. There's a lot of different teams you can make the case for in those next couple of spots. And, you know, it's so tough to, to be able to narrow down and decide who those teams could be. I mean, you could make a case for maybe six, seven teams in those next spots, and that's not a joke just because there are so many different teams in this league um, that are getting better. And, you know, Arkansas is probably a team that, that many feel are going to be in the NCAA tournament. Vanderbilt is another team that I think probably will end up getting overlooked more so than a lot of different teams maybe uh, because, you know, losing Luke Cornett, a lot of people are going to look at that and say, well, you think about how much he did, and he did. I mean, Cornett was a huge part of that team. But they also return a very good nucleus. When you talk about Riley LeChance, Matthew Fisher-Davis, Jeff Roberson, Joe Toy, Peyton Willis came on last year. Um, they have a great freshman coming in and saving Lee. They also pick up a couple of transfers. I think Vandy and Bryce through second season is going to be a very efficient, uh, very good team. And I think it's going to be hard to beat, especially in Nashville. And then going out on the road, the way they can shoot the ball, Vandy's got a chance to win a lot of games. Now, there are so many other teams. You know, you could put in Missouri, Auburn, um, you know, South Carolina, and it's just to name a few. I mean, anybody that got left out there not being left out because I don't think they have a chance. It's just that beyond that that top four or five maybe, there is a lot of up and down competition in terms of, you know, which way these teams could go, and that makes it very difficult. And, and you know, as I go throughout the summer, I'll probably start going more into saying, okay, we're going to slot this team here, that team there, 
Uh, but it's going to be fun to kind of continue to look at these teams, continue to talk up to people around these programs, and get a better feel of what's going on there and kind of how I feel about these teams going into next season. So first full official set of power rankings probably going to come out next month. Uh, at some point next month, not exactly sure when, but just kind of going to give my thoughts from top to bottom on how this league could shake out, and it's going to be a lot of fun to dive into that. And the third question from VU Commodore asks about the player of the year, and you know, I know a lot of people are just catching on to the Southeast Hoops podcast here, just started a couple of days ago this week, but uh, in episode two, you can go back and listen to that. I talked about the player of the year discussion. Uh, right now, I would go with Deontay Mayton from Georgia. Uh, because I think his numbers are going to be outstanding. Just a matter of if Georgia can kind of catch up and be able to, you know, be be good enough to give him an opportunity to win that award. I just think he's going to be a monster in terms of numbers this year. Uh, but also talk about a lot of other candidates in depth. So be sure to check that out. A lot of good stuff in there as well. So thanks, uh, you Commodore. Appreciate it as always for the questions. Uh, and let's move on to the next question, which comes from uh, Mr. Tony Patelis on Twitter at College Hoop News. Be sure to follow him does a great job putting out all sorts of information, uh, knowledge, just on teams all around the country. Just a, just an awesome job he does. So be sure to follow him on that. And Tony asks about Tennessee, and he says, Overall take on Tennessee. Can the Vols contend for an at-large bid in 2017-2018? You know, Tony, I think that Tennessee is one of the teams I'm intrigued the most by in the SEC here at this point, you know, in June. Because I think you can look around and see what they did last year and, you know, had an opportunity to make the NCAA tournament until they hit that game against Vanderbilt uh, where it felt like a game where the winner of that game was going to move forward in terms of having a chance at an at-large bid. And Tennessee just came out, played very flat, and got beat by 11 at home by the Commodores. And they just weren't the same after that. I mean, they lost to South Carolina. They lost at LSU, who was just awful at the time. Um, and they came back, beat Alabama at home, and then just came out and lost to Georgia in the SEC tournament. Uh, but that that was kind of disappointing, the way they ended their season. But we have to remember, a lot of their key players were young. Grant Williams is back, and, and when you can build around him, you got an opportunity to do a lot of good things. Uh, what I'm curious about is how they replaced you know, Robert Hubbs III. He was a guy that did a lot for him, you know, a very good producer. He had a lot of leadership. Um, you know, just how do they replace that? And that's kind of what I want to know. But look, they get back that that young nucleus. When you talk about Williams, uh, Lamont Turner's back, Jordan Bones back. Um, there's a lot of good pieces there. I think in terms of that group, especially that freshman group that's going to be a sophomore this year. And let's not forget about this as well: the addition of James Daniel, who comes over the, the Howard transfer, who led the nation in scoring in 2015-16. How does he play into it? Uh, because when you got a guy like that that averaged as many points a game as he did, that gives you an opportunity. I mean, here's a guy that, that could really score the basketball at a very, very high level. And so adding a player like that, seeing how he kind of you know falls into the mix there, I think that's going to give Tennessee another scoring threat to where if they can just you know shoot the ball consistently, and that's their, that was their biggest problem last year at times. They, they would hit some times where they just didn't seem to be able to shoot the ball effectively. If they can do that, I think they're gonna, this team has a toughness to it that they're going to have an opportunity. Um, but it's just a matter of seeing how that all plays out. How does Daniel factor in to that roster? I mean, look, when you have a guy that's proven that he can score at such a high level, 
um, even though it was at Howard, you know, that's not something you can overlook because, you know, it's just a, a tremendous score, um, you know, average 27 points a game in that 2015-16 season. So how he factors in, that's going to be important. And again, just like we talked about with all these other teams, Tennessee could be a team to keep your eye on as we head into that, you know, March, next March. They could be a team that's in that discussion for an NCAA tournament bid. And we're going to wrap up with this first edition of the mailbag. Um, for this episode, we're going to wrap up with Andrew Terry. He's on Twitter at Terry 65 another guy. I always appreciate his interaction on the SEC hoop scene. And Andrew asks um, about, uh, you know, something we all kind of look at all the time. And, and at the end of the day, you know, it, you never know what you're going to get out of it. But he asks, how many teams do you think will be ranked in the AP preseason poll? Well, Andrew, you know, as we all know, it's a toss-up when it comes to the Associated Press preseason poll. You don't really ever know what you're going to get. My question is always, are these people going to be able to do enough homework? Will they do enough homework um, to be able to understand just how improved this league is going to be? Uh, you know, you would think when you talk about the momentum coming off of having three teams in the Elite Eight, coming into a season where the SEC is going to bring in you know, a lot of young talent, you know, the conference that has the most top 100 players of any other conference in the country, um, you would think, you would hope that, that they're going to be enough to, but at the end of the day, you know what, a preseason poll is a preseason poll. It means nothing. Um, you know, it's a, it's a good starting point in some situations, but it is what it is, and I think if I had to guess just kind of the way that they're going to go with that and what maybe you'll see, Kentucky's obviously going to be in there. Florida's going to be in there. I think Alabama should be in there. Um, and where Alabama's slotted, if they're in that poll, will tell us a lot, you know, just how much the, the SEC is being valued or how much people have actually dug into these rosters. Um, because I think Alabama, to me, would be in there. They're a top 20 team, in my opinion. And then maybe you get Texas A&M or Arkansas thrown in there. I think those are two teams that are probably going to be uh, ones that are identified as potential top 25-like teams. Um, by the national media. I just think when they look at those teams, see the makeup, they're going to get a lot of attention. And, and, you know, you know how high I am on Texas A&M. I think A&M is a team, while I may have them fourth at the moment, um, this is a team I think they can compete for an SEC regular season title. I feel that strongly about that roster just because of all the players they have coming back. That starting five is going to be very intimidating just in terms of their versatility and all that, so uh, I would say you're probably going to see three, but, you know, it, it just depends. We'll, we'll see how, you know, it's kind of perceived in terms of how people are kind of seeing the SEC coming into the season. That'll tell us a lot, uh, but my guess would be three, would be would be just my initial guess on that. So, uh, all right, guys, that will wrap up this first part of the mailbag for this week. Like I said earlier, we'll have the second part of the questions Coming up in tomorrow's episode on Thursday, uh, four or five really great questions at the moment lined up. We might have a few more added in as well, uh, but stay tuned to that. A lot of great questions on the way. A lot of great questions today. A lot of great questions on the way tomorrow. Uh, really loving this offseason discussion here in SEC Hoops. And like I said earlier in the week, the SEC Coaches Teleconference will take place next Monday. Uh, be sure to stay tuned to southeastoops.com for that. I'll have a lot of news and notes coming out of those with all 14 coaches speaking for about 10 minutes each just giving some initial thoughts on their team so that will be a lot of fun thanks as always for listening to the southeast tubes podcast and i will talk to you guys tomorrow